0: Radio Network, and now chewing the fat with Jeff Fisher. Big news in Oregon, the Curry County, Oregon. Uh, the Curry County Tourism Promotions Committee announced last week that Cliff the Sasquatch is the new uh, the new Bigfoot mascot uh, for Oregon's South Coast. Yes, the new ambassador for Oregon's South. Coast coast. It's, you know, Paul Bunyan meets Bigfoot mascot. It's a groundbreaking move, according to the Curry County Tourism Promotions Committee. (laughs) It's been designed as the official stewardship ambassador for this picturesque region, bringing a unique perspective to environmental preservation and wildlife protection. Yes, Cliff's legend has long intrigued locals and visitors alike, but this enigmatic creature is now stepping out of the shadows to champion the cause of safeguarding the natural beauty and biodiversity of the Southern Oregon coast. I doesn't say how big Cliff is, but he looks like uh, he looks like uh, just a regular mascot with the mascot outfit, the bare feet, uh, the pants. The flannel shirt, the big beard, and the hat. (laughs) He does not, to me, he does not look like what I would envision a Sasquatch looking like. But I wasn't asked. I wasn't part of the Curry County Tourism Promotions Committee. Uh, They asked uh, several residents, uh, roughly 200 Curry County residents, uh, what they thought the name should be, and they named the mascot Cliff the Sasquatch mascot. So if you're wandering around uh, Oregon, uh, Curry County, Oregon, and you happen to run into uh, this giant mascot, just know it's Cliff the Sasquatch mascot. I don't know, it doesn't say in this story if Cliff speaks, or if it's just one of those quiet mascots where you get no sound, because we've heard what Sasquatch presumably sounds like right we heard that we had the audio from ohio we had the audio from illinois i don't think i want the kids hearing that so maybe cliff should just be quiet yes that's Cliff the mascot, and go ahead and take a picture, give him a hug, but he's not going to say anything to you, okay? <laughs> Although it would be awesome. Honey, is that Cliff the mascot? <laughs> Oh, the kids will love it. Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. So according to a new survey from the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, the AASM, a sleep divorce is uh is happening in america more than a third have opted for a sleep divorce uh divorce now this claims that it's a that it's a survey right it's not a study it's a survey from the aasm a sleep divorce entails partners uh amicably decide to retire to separate beds or rooms The separation could be due to loud snoring, conflicting schedules, temperature preferences, or even blanket hogging. Now, they surveyed more than 2,000 Americans in March of this year, 2023, and found that 35% of respondents occasionally or consistently sleep in another room. There were, however, some differences between the sexes. Nearly half of men reported moving to another bedroom or a sofa in comparison to a quarter of women. Millennials reported the highest rate, 43%, of consistently or occasionally sleeping in another room, followed by those in Gen X, 33%. Now, i got to tell you, sleep divorce, uh, it doesn't sound... I don't know why. I don't know what term we should use. uh, Sleep separation, Maybe. (laughs) Uh, Sleep divorce seems, uh, does seem a little harsh. I mean, people are prioritizing their sleep at night, right? So, I don't know. Sleep divorce seems a little harsh. (laughs) Uh, But the survey also uncovered some other sleep habits, uh, particularly when it comes to how Americans accommodate their partners. Nearly half of Americans do not adjust their sleep routine at all, but others attempt to work around their bedmate. Why would you just be a prick and not try to adjust your sleep routine. I don't care if you don't like it or not. <laughs> That's my house too. Yeah, okay. All right. Calm down, Bill. All right. It's all right. So uh, AASM reports that 15% use earplugs. Which is, uh, you know, okay. And 16% rely on a silent alarm. I'm not sure what that is. I mean, I talked for years that I hated listening, hearing my alarm go off. It just drove me insane i hate being uh, woken uh, by an alarm clock so i trained myself to get up without an alarm clock and it's really simple but it takes some practice but i trained myself to do it and it i just love it because i don't have to hear the alarm clock now if you're overtired or you're not getting enough sleep you obviously have to have an alarm because you have deadlines to reach and you have, uh, you know, jobs to attend to. And if there's one thing, I mean, I hate being late to things. Uh, if you're, you know, if, if you're not 10 minutes early, you're late. I just, I, it drives me insane. I hate it. Uh, So, anyway, uh, they complain. They say that, you know, hey, sleep can worsen your mood. And, uh, you know, sleep-deprived people uh, argue with their partners. So, they're saying that, hey, the concept of a sleep divorce is, you know, kind of a good thing. Couples choose to sleep apart for their overall well-being. So, uh, you know, now a 2017 survey uh, from the National Sleep Foundation uh, said that nearly one in four American couples slept in separate beds. So this survey of two thousand Americans from Matt—oh, okay, I'm sorry. This survey was reviewed site on the Mattress Clarity <laughs> uh, also had the same findings as the AASM. Yeah, so they're all you know. Maybe i to buy two beds. How about that? Okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, they, they a lot of docs say, why don't you try alternating sleep schedules if you're having difficulties uh, sharing a bed? Well, okay. So, uh, you know, maybe you don't have another room to sleep in. So, you know, you, change, you sleep in a chair, uh, you know, then come in and sleep in the bed for a little bit, you know, kind of swap it out a little bit. But you have to get to sleep, and if and different schedules for sure is, is a lot. You know, I mean, for years I got up to do the morning show. I still kind of get up early every morning as it is, and you know my wife comes to bed late, and so it's not so bad. <laughs> uh, it's not so bad, but uh, you know, it, it you just work on your schedules. That's the way it it works. I still want to go back to the two sleep pattern, which we'll never do because of electricity. I love that idea of the two sleep uh, You get up, no alarm clock, you just get up and then you have some time in the night to you know do whatever you know, pray, talk to your wife, read. Or not talk to the wife, do a little business send the uh, between the sleeps, and uh, then have the second sleep where you go back to sleep and you sleep soundly for another, you know, for a, another few hours until it's daylight. But that ceased to exist when electricity was invented, so we're not going to get that again. So if you are, I just don't like the idea of it being called a sleep divorce because it's not a sleep divorce. I mean, it's an idea of keeping you together with your spouse and not having to fight over who's taking the covers, who's rolling over, how many pillows do you need, who's cold, who's, who's hot. I mean, it's just, it's just insane. Uh, sleeping is an important part of your life, and you should just work together as a couple to figure it out. That's the Jeff Fisher Chewing the Fat recap of the AASM survey on sleep divorce. Speaking of real divorce, though, you see where uh, Kevin Costner's wife, uh, the estranged wife, uh, Christine Baumgartner. Now, we know, we've talked about that she was ordered to move out of the oceanfront home that she shared with Kevin. And she was told, you get out, right? Uh, The judge said, no, you're not doing all of this. Get out. So she had the trucks show up she was out trying to find property you know it's tough to find a house to live in california especially when you've got kids and it's just so difficult and you know i've I've been comfortable here on the 145 million dollar (laughs) compound well she did move out of the house i know the judge said hey you got to be out by july 31st if you're listening live today is the first of august so she had to be out by yesterday and she's still house hunting. Well, come to find out, yes, she moved out of the main house, but she's living in the, uh, the staff quarters house. <laughs> That is awesome. So she moved out of the main house. That's what was the deal, but she didn't leave the property. Now I'm living in the staff quarters. You know, I've got the kids going back to school. I'm still looking for another house. I didn't want to disrupt the kids' lives. So I'm trying to keep everything as normal. Aria. Aria Christine. (laughs) That is... Amazing. So, according to this, now she started taking money uh, to pay for stuff that wasn't her money to take. Uh, according, I guess she took out cash with credit cards from the staff's credit card. So the staff runs the family house, and that uh, you know they have credit cards to get what they need for the for the home. Well, Christine took that card, and uh, that's how she paid for her divorce lawyer. That's how she's been uh, stashing some cash by taking cash out from those credit cards that the staff was were, were using. Because the staff was like, yeah, okay, I mean, you could use the card, okay. But Kevin did uh, did not know this. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if the, the business manager said, hey, Kev, you know, uh, the staff has taken out uh, thousands of dollars. What's going on over there at the house? Well, nothing. Uh, they're just, uh, how much is the toilet paper at the house? It's not $25,000, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so that's awesome stuff the big fight is still ongoing in the Kevin Costner Christine Bumgarner divorce and the kids are you know 16 14 and 13 now and that really sucks for them I know but uh, mom is starting to freak out a little bit mom we have to move out of the house the judge told us we have to move okay fine we're going to move to the staff quarters house then uh, oh uh, okay Uh, sure, I guess that counts. So we'll see how long that lasts. It's awesome. Let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. (laughs) So nobody won. I know, I gotta keep giving you these lotto updates, but nobody won. So we still have the Mega Millions drawing tonight. Uh, if you're listening live today as I said is uh, August 1st 2023 uh, mega millions is a 1.05 billion dollar jackpot 527.9 million cash payout but nobody won the Powerball last night so you have a Powerball drawing on Wednesday uh, the second uh, tomorrow uh 95 million which is 48.1 million cash payout pretty impressive either one i mean i'm willing to look at both of them now and go ahead and take that winning check so take a moment and think what you'd do with either 527.9 million or a paltry 48.1 million cash payout (sighs) okay you can follow me on x uh, at Jeffy JFR. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook, Jeff Fisher Radio. You can always email the show, Chewing the Fat at TheBlaze.com. You can subscribe to Blaze TV uh, because that's what helps keep this one of the things that helps keep this show free. BlazeTV.com slash Jeffy. Use the promo code Jeffy, J E F F Y. Get you some money off for your uh, membership and subscribership to Blaze TV. And uh, you can always follow me on Cameo and order a Cameo from me. That's not free. Uh, At Jeffy JFR on Cameo. I will say I read a story that talked about how people are using Cameo to talk about telling their partner they want to divorce, uh, telling people they want to break up, telling people that they're giving their two-week notice at work. I have not done that yet. I know Cameo is my pimp, and you just order what you want from Cameo, and I'll do it. I've done birthdays and anniversaries, and, you know, just say hello, stuff like that, you know, being really nice. But I have not done... Hey, hey, I want a divorce. Hey, I want to break up from you. Hey, I want—I want to give you my two-week notice. This cameo is for Bill, and I'm just letting you know that I'm giving you my two-week notice because you stuck. Okay. <laughs> I'm tired of working here. That's what Bill wants you to know. I haven't done one of those, so I'm not—I'm not asking to do them. I mean, that's kind of mean, you know, but you you can order those. You can have those ordered on Cameo if you'd like at JeffyJFR. Oh, and speaking of X, we talked about the giant flashing light on top of uh, the X building. Yeah, they're taking it down. Yeah, San Francisco said, even after Elon was nice saying we're not moving out. We love San Francisco. We're going to stay here. They said, uh, yeah, no, uh, the brightness is uh, way too much. So you need to take that thing down. Now, I guess Elon said it was a temporary thing anyway. So you saw pictures online of them taking down the big X sign. But uh, that's a little disheartening. I saw some, one, obviously not real, but one showed a giant X on the side of the building made of heroin needles from the street so the city wouldn't take it down. Really funny. Really funny. Uh, I wish someone would actually do that. And I see also where X has threatened to sue researchers who track hate speech and found that it had increased on the social media platform since Musk took over, claiming they are harming the business. Uh, Good luck with that, because I don't necessarily think that is actually true, but you be you. Okay, you be you. And, you know, speaking of algorithms, I know that, uh, you know, there's more hate speech on X now. Is there? Well, I see where Facebook and Instagram's algorithms create echo chambers that widen political divisions and erode democracy in America. Does it? Do they? Well, ask 100 people. And according to this story, 95 would say, yeah, it certainly does. Sure does. It creates division. Echo chamber. Whack. Echo chamber. Whack. Well, um, there's new research uh, that uh, seems to uh, complicate that narrative. Uh, Four studies released last week found that while echo chambers do exist on social media, they don't drive political polarization in the way Facebook's critics have described. Huh. Researchers arrived at this conclusion by tweaking the content U.S. Facebook users saw from September to December 2020, wow, this was back in 2020, and measuring their behaviors during and after the experiment. In one study, the researchers swapped out an algorithmic feed for a reverse chronological feed for tens of thousands of Facebook and Instagram users, which meant changing the type of posts from what the company wanted users to see to a stream of posts the company did not put its thumb on. I'm trying to remember where I stood in that <laughs> during that uh, research. Uh, the charges had no impact on political polarization and even led users to see more untrustworthy content. Another side effect. Uh, the chronological feed also made people bored and consequently spent less time on the platform. So we need the algorithm to stay on the platform. Uh, these findings challenge popular narratives. Yeah, no kidding. And so the independent experts caution against drawing. Uh, we don't want to draw broad conclusions to these studies. Uh, but we need more clarity uh, since, uh, you know, we need that. We need more peer-reviewed papers, do we? Okay. So uh, how about, here's an idea. How about you let me see the feeds of the people I want to see. And they are able to see the feeds of people they want to see. Uh, Thank you. How about we do that? How about we do that? Huh? Instead of, uh, you know, just telling me what you want me to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can still see the people you want, you know, if you actually go to their page. But until then, you're going to see what we want you to see. Okay? How about we do that? I mean, I saw where California is all wound up because they uh, are looking into the automotive industry. They announced uh, an investigation uh, on how it plans uh, to probe whether your smart car is too smart. The watchdog's uh, enforcement division plans. Oh, that's great! Ah, That's great, California. Good job. Uh, You want that privacy regulator? You got a the California's new privacy regulator. So we have to justify our job. Uh, The watchdog's enforcement division plans to examine what manufacturers are doing with the data collected from internet connected autos including location data that is highly sought after by advertisers yeah everybody wants that info on driver behavior insurance companies want that data from cameras and apps i mean everybody wants all of your information uh so how about and this is just me this is just me. And they'll say, well, you agreed to it when you purchased the car and you agreed to it when you, you know, you said it's okay if we look at all your data. Okay. So if I say it's okay for you, the car company, to look at all this data, I would like a piece of what you sell to the advertisers and the insurance companies uh, and the camera companies and the app companies for the data that you're collecting from me. That would be great. Please. Thank you. So let me okay it. If I say no, then they better not have my data. I don't want them to have my data. And leave it up to me. Leave it up to the person to decide what information is going to be shared. Is that too hard? Apparently it is. who died today who died today very sad uh the news broke yesterday right after i was done recording that paul rubens paul peewee herman rubens passed away at the age of 70 very sad uh his peewee's playhouse was such a was such a stupid awesome show my favorite part of peewee's playhouse was his foil collection <laughs> he would always have he'd have this he'd find a little piece of foil and then he'd go to the window and this giant ball of foil would roll up to the window and then he'd put the little piece of foil on the giant rope ball and it would roll back. It was so awesome. <laughs> that's funny business right there anyway uh he's very sad, and I know that his reputation was tainted. I got it he was he was at uh you know he was at a a triple X club and it kind of devastated his life for a little while i mean he admitted to uh being in the theater he said he didn't expose himself and he was not engaged in any other improper activities okay i mean he you know it's fine he got over that then he was they raided his house in 2002 and found boxes of vintage magazines and then they took some pictures out of those vintage magazines and said oh he's got child porn so you know whatever he actually he said he was sorry he didn't want anything to do with the child porn he thought he said that uh i didn't want anybody to think that i had any was titillated at all by children, because that is not me. So, I mean, there you have it. And, you know, his life turned around. They got him a movie, and he had made a bunch of money selling his paraphernalia and his, all, everything that he had. But anyway, uh, Pee Wee Herman, really sad, uh, born Paul Rubenfeld in Peekskill, New York, although he spent uh, most of his youth in Sarasota, Florida, uh, has passed away. The family posted a final posting from uh, Pee Wee on his Instagram page that said, Please accept my apology for not going public with what I've been facing the last six years. I have always felt a huge amount of love and respect from my friends, fans, and supporters. I have loved you all so much and enjoyed making art for you. Pee Wee Herman. Paul Pee Wee Herman Rubens. Dead. Dead at the age of 70. Alright, also, who died today? Angus Cloud. Angus Cloud, star of HBO's Euphoria, dead at the age of 25. Very sad. Uh, It looks like he committed suicide. They haven't released a cause of death yet, but... They talked about uh, he was having suicidal thoughts since returning from Ireland where his father was laid to rest a week or so ago. His father passed away after a short illness and he was devastated from it. And then uh, the Oakland Fire Department uh, said first responders were dispatched to the location with the actor about 1130 in the morning. Upon arrival of fire EMS personnel, the patient was determined to be already deceased. And then they put in here, the cause of death is not yet known. So could it have been an overdose? Yes, probably. If it was an overdose, it was meant to to be an overdose for death. And uh very sad, anyway. Uh, Angus Cloud, 25, dead. Then we have another who died today. Uh, the red panda, Kovu, at the Pittsburgh Zoo and Aquarium, dead at the age of nine years old. He, apparently, they lived to be about 10. And uh, the, so the red panda Yeah, they usually live to be about 10. Sorry about it. He only lived to be nine. Very, uh, very sad. Uh, He was known as Mr. Cool from the beginning, one of the most confident and friendly animals at the zoo. And so Kovu, the red panda uh, at the Pittsburgh Zoo and Aquarium, passed away at the age of nine. Doesn't say what killed him. Just said that he was uh, exhibiting unusual behavior. And that they took him to the veterinary hospital and then uh, the health declined quickly and he was dead. So, <laughs> uh, really sad. Anyway, Kovu dead at the age of nine. Okay, then we have uh, Lois, what's her name? Lois Cardinal, the trans-indigenous Canadian. Uh, she had applied, I guess in Canada, you can apply. Hey, can I kill myself? Will you please let the doctors kill me? <laughs> and the doctors said, you know. Uh, your euthanasia request has been denied. What? Yeah. Uh, so she's pissed or he's pissed or, you know, this person, they are pissed. Uh, slammed Canada's healthcare system for rejecting her euthanasia request despite the pain she endures from a surgically built vagina. She is a self-proclaimed sterilized First Nations post-op transsexual. Says, uh regret over her medical transition led her to apply for a lethal injection in January. She lives on a native reserve near St. Paul, Alberta. She posted her medical records from the request online this week to draw attention to radical gender ideology. I mean, if you have any doubts that uh, the perils of Going under the knife for uh, gender-affirming care. Uh, this is one of the things. I'm in constant discomfort and pain. Wow! And she's begging for Canada to kill her, and they won't. She went under. She underwent vaginoplasty in 2009. Developed complications. Quickly regretted the procedure. Uh, i in constant pressure, pain, discomfort. Many years after the original surgery, the difficult procedure involves inverting the penis into a neo-vagina. That sounds fun, huh? <laughs> yeah, man, does that sound fun. Uh, most recipients suffer pain and discomfort afterward. Uh, you think? Uh, most recipients have pain during intercourse and bladder problems are common. Why are we allowing this to happen? Ne- oh, my gosh. Uh, neovaginas must also be dilated regularly to stop them from collapsing. So it doesn't even hold. I just, this is just madness. And so based on current clinical, uh, information and consultations, the patient does not meet current MIAD made criteria. Oh okay so hey uh you know what you don't meet our criteria for us to kill you so take care thanks for stopping by appreciate it (laughs) uh okay uh wow that's so sad i'm very very sad and you know it's what's gonna happen is she's gonna end up euthanizing herself and it's on you canada It's on you and all your gender-affirming care. And we're just as bad here in the United States, too. My gosh. So, what are we doing? What are we doing? It's a good question. I'd like to ask that question to the homeowners in Wilton Manors. That's over there by Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, Apparently, the neighborhood is being invaded by rabbits. Rabbits. <laughs> so these, I guess, a neighbor was raising them, and then the neighbor moved out, so the neighbor set them free, and uh, so now they're inside homes, and uh, you know, you've got they're trying to cool down, and you've got uh, you know, cars and cats and hawks. I mean, let the hawks have at them. What are we worried about? Let the hawks are eating good. So apparently, one of the uh, one of the neighbors is spearheading an effort. To raise twenty to forty thousand dollars it would cost for a rescue group to capture, okay, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna spend twenty to forty thousand dollars for a rescue group to capture, neuter, vaccinate, shelter, then give away the estimated sixty to a hundred lion heads, they're lion head rabbits now populating this Janada Isles. It's an 81-home community in Wilton Manors. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, how about you just walk out back, here, little rabbit, here, here, little rabbit, or rabbits, or, I don't know, get a trap and trap them yourselves. Go get an animal trap and trap them themselves. And then, you know, I don't know what you do with them. You take them someplace. Take them to the zoo and say, here you go. Here you go. uh, They're exotic pets and they're complicated. They have a complicated digestive system and they have to eat a special diet. Do they? Do they? You can't just throw any table scraps at them. Want to bet? (laughs) Here you go. Uh, If you're going to feed them, here's the food you get. If you don't like it, then you'll starve and die. What a shame that would be huh so uh the supporters are trying to raise money and relocate the rabbits uh, rather than exterminate them even though the city commission voted in april to do just that after receiving an eight thousand dollar estimate from a trapping company yeah it's gonna cost you eight thousand yeah is it okay uh here's 20 bucks go buy some ammo Oh, we can't do that. They, But even though they dig holes, chew outdoor wiring, leave droppings on the sidewalks and driveways, <laughs> uh, no, thank you. Now they're becoming a traffic hazard as they venture. Now, my neighborhood here that I live in here in Fort Worth just does have some rabbits. Now, they've stayed uh, kind of away from the yard. I, well, I don't know what will happen if the dog we have actually catches one, but it's going to happen one day soon because that dog is on the hunt. For one of those rabbits. And I don't know that he know, he'll know he know what to do once he catches it. He just knows he has to catch it. And he's after them, man. And they move, man. They do some business. But they're starting to grow. I see them when I leave early in the morning. I see them out there. They're in the yard. So they're around. And it's happening in neighborhoods all over America. Okay? So I'm just saying, maybe the city, you know, maybe this little Wilton Manors, uh, maybe this community... Uh, needs to say you know what for the next month we're going to disregard all weapons being fired in our neighborhood and so go and take care of your rabbits and maybe the city spends i don't know a thousand bucks on five or six different cages to catch them and then you know they catch them and then (laughs) you know that is not gonna happen but, if they need me to fly down and take care of it for them, I'm here for them, okay? Now, <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of Florida, Uh, I see where they've got the big controversy over the African American history curriculum and oh my gosh, we're saying that uh, slaves were taught things, they liked being slaves that's not what the curriculum is doing the curriculum is saying that slaves were taught skills that they used when they were free that helped them when they were free freedom is the most important part of that uh, it just—it's just amazing to me. And then, along the same time, I can't believe that we're fighting over this. I read stories uh, all the time about how people uh, were part of this. Like this story, for instance, from uh, a website that you know I get updates from. And there's a picture of this old black lady in a cotton field, and it says, "This is my great grandma, Christine Christina Levant Platt." at the age of 100, weeding her garden. Okay, it wasn't a cotton field. She was weeding her garden. As she was born into slavery, her owner was a wife that taught my great grandma to read and write secretly, which was illegal and quite dangerous at the time for both of them. She learned to read the Bible. So she she in fact learned a skill that helped her when she was free. Okay, she had 11 children. She lost two, one son. One was on the first black attorneys in the U.S. She sent four boys to college in Boston. Exceptional in those days. She passed five years before I was born, but I love her as if I knew her. Family tells me she would say, I put prayers on my children's children's heads. This apparently worked. Around April 12, 1861, Christina was at the first battle of the Civil War at Fort Sumner at Charleston Bay, South Carolina, working in the cotton fields. She said the sky was black as night from cannonball fire. She saw a man decapitated by a cannonball. She was the water girl for the other slaves as a young girl and the lookout for the slaves in the fields for the approaching overseer on the horseback as they secretly knelt and prayed for their freedom. She would watch watch for the switching tail of the approaching horse And would alert the slaves to rise up and return to picking cotton before he saw them she eventually married a native american from the sanity tribe john c platt After freedom, Christina insisted upon taking her children north as she knew they would not get a good education in the South, and that's all she cared about. She died at the age of 101 in 1944, where she and her husband had built a home in Medfield, Massachusetts, the first black family to move there. With great respect, I honor my great-grandmother. So much more I could say about this miraculous woman. She gave me much strength in my hard times. Whenever I thought I was having a hard day, I would think of her and shrug it off. And then uh, this is Brenda Russell, copy from Good People News. And uh, this is the story. My point of this, though, my whole point of this, whole point, is that this is another example of someone who learned a skill while they were a slave and used it to their advantage when they were free. It's not that difficult to figure out. And I really don't understand how it's so difficult for other people to figure out and how the other GOP candidates, and I know I try to stay away from politics, but the other GOP candidates try to slam Governor DeSantis over this curriculum when the curriculum is actually telling the truth and not the lies that they want to portray. I really, I just don't understand it. Uh, just just know that uh, people were actually taught skills while they were slaves, which was horrible, but they were able to use those skills when they were free. Uh, okay thank you that is not a terrible curriculum okay uh, I'll leave you with a genius idea I read this the other day and I'm sick of people telling me that the internet does not give you great ideas this is a genius idea I saw this on Instagram and you can always follow me on Instagram uh, Jeff Fisher Radio and, uh, I actually reposted this on Instagram because it is a genius idea. And I read this and I thought, oh my gosh, why didn't I think of that? Now you're going to say to yourself, and many of you are going to say, Jeff, idiot, I've been doing this forever, but, uh, this is just something that I was like, holy cow. Why didn't I think of this? Okay. This is, this is the post. All right. Now, I want you to take this with you today because it's genius genius all right tired of boiling water every time you make pasta yes is the answer to that i mean i don't have the answer on this post but i mean we all are in fact i made some spaghetti on sunday as a matter of fact and you have to the water is boiling and you try to use the pan i have a regular pan that i like to use that's thinner than the bigger ones because it takes longer for the water to boil in the bigger ones anyway uh tired of boiling water every time you make pasta all right Boil a few gallons at the beginning of the week and freeze it for later. And then there's a picture of the bags of water in the freezer. So if you didn't hear that right, let me. Tired of boiling water every time you make pasta? Boil a few gallons at the beginning of the week and freeze it for later. I told you, genius. <laughs>